0: Good evening and welcome to another exciting episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens and I trust that you are doing well this evening. We are broadcasting... On the from the island of Antigua on eleven sixty AM and ninety-two point three FM. I'm sitting behind the broadcast desk at the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Studios and sitting across the desk from me, as usual, is Pastor
1: Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. <coughs> good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who are listening to the broadcast this evening.
0: <coughs> we are excited to have you joining us and we are gonna jump right into our topic for tonight. Continuing with what we've been discussing for the last, I believe, 11 or 12 weeks, and that is Bible prophecy, a topic that many people get excited about. Sometimes things get taken a little bit out of context and all, but Pastor is going back to the Bible, saying, what does the Bible teach, and giving us a very thorough (laughs) explanation of these different topics. Now, Pastor... Right as we were finishing up the program last week We are talking about the tribulation period And specifically what is the purpose of the tribulation period Can you expound
1: on that <clears> some more? Yeah, I think we um, started with that subject And somehow we got cut off uh, Because the time was running out But uh, we mentioned uh, last week And we like to highlight it again this evening That there are three basic reasons why there is a tribulation period uh, God seemed to have two purposes, three purposes in mind and the first one has to do that he's bringing human uh, wickedness and rebellion to a final end. Uh, we, we, I think we looked at Isaiah chapter thirteen verse nine last week, and also Isaiah chapter twenty-four verse nineteen to twenty, which talks about the whole matter of uh, God dealing with human wickedness and not allowing the transgressor to rise again, and God completely demolishing um, human rebellion, and uh, so that uh, the human problem is dealt with once for all in respect to God. That was the first purpose, that is, to end human wickedness and human rebellion against himself and to set up his sovereignty. The second one is um, found in Revelation chapter 7. This has to do with the fact that it is very, very clear that out of the tribulation period, there's going to be a massive uh, among the people that are converted and saved. You might call this world evangelism. Uh, In that same passage it's mentioned that God will have 144 witnesses, who will um, go out throughout the world and carry the, the gospel. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 24, in dealing with the end times, Jesus said this gospel, the kingdom, will be preached in every nation and then come at the end? Uh, this is what um, the Bible is talking about here. There will be uh, a great effort to reach men and women um, during that period of time, and 144 witnesses will be chosen to do that. Uh, so evangelism, and then at the end of uh, chapter 7 of uh, Revelation, we are told that a, a multitude from every tribe and nation and town and people, every ethnic group that no man can number, uh, is the result of their efforts uh, that is recorded in the book of um, uh, Revelation chapter 7. And then there's a third reason for the tribulation period. And this has to do with breaking the stubborn will of Israel. As a, the nation of Israel... Uh, it's a nation that is uh, steep in unbelief. Uh, it's incredible that they would have their the Bible, would have had the prophets, would have had the mm-hmm. law, would have had all the oracles of God, and had witnessed such supernatural power in its history, but yet they remain adamant that uh, Christ was not the Messiah, that Christ was a deceiver, and that uh, he was um, not the Messiah to come. Uh, that stubbornness is going to be broken, and it is during the tribulation period that th- Israel will come to realize that they made the biggest mistake uh, in life in turning their back on the Messiah, rejecting him, crucifying him, and uh, the tribulation is designed to bring them back to that point. An interesting passage would be Daniel chapter 12, um, where you find that uh, reference is mentioned uh, that... Um, The tribulation will be allowed for a period of time. Uh, It's mentioned for three and a half years, which would be time, times and a half. And we're given the reason why that is limited. If you look there in Daniel chapter 12 by Nathan. What verse? Read verse number 7.
0: Daniel twelve seven says, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished.
1: It's interesting, the word scatter there is the word break in pieces. Hmm. So his design is to break the will of Israel, really. Uh, and you notice that the limitations of times, times and a half, three and a half years during that tribulation period. So he's going to um, actually going to refine the nation of Israel and um, purge them of the dross. An interesting passage as well that these were, this is Zechariah chapter 13. Uh, read verse number 8 and verse number 9.
0: All right. Zechariah thirteen and 9 says, And it shall come to pass... That in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. Verse 9, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people." And they shall say, the Lord is my God. You
1: notice there that two-thirds of Israel is going to be killed, and one-third is going to be left a remnant. And notice the whole reason for that. The refining process; they're going to go through the crucible of uh, tribulation, and there's going to be a mass slaughter of the Jews during that period of time. But God is going to intervene because there's an election according to grace. And Paul talks about this in Revelation, in Romans chapter 11, verse one to 32, that the time is coming when the unbelief of Israel will be removed, and that the remnant. Uh, is going to be saved and so all Israel is going to be saved that's referring to the one third of the Israel's population that's going to be saved during the tribulation period but the slaughter uh, that will take place is designed to break the stubborn will of the Jewish people and bring them to the fact that they've rejected the Messiah and uh, God is going to chasten them to the point where they're brought to faith uh, and recognize him for who he is
0: If God is such a loving God, why is he going to slaughter two-thirds of Israel?
1: Well, again, uh, there are always consequences to our actions. And remember, think about this for just a moment. I think I mentioned it last time. Israel has been given over 2,000 years to repent. Uh, You've got a nation that has had more light than any other uh, nation under heaven. Uh, when Paul talks about them in, in the book of Romans, he begins to catalog all the privilege that they had, the covenants, the fathers, the law. Uh, they also had the not only the law and the prophets, uh, but they had the offerings and the sacrifices. Every one of these things were designed uh, to lead Israel to knowledge and to truth and to light. But Israel in the darkness turned away, and uh, now they're paying a great price. To whom much is given, much uh, much is required. And a person who, as a matter of fact, could I say this, even when it comes to hell, uh, it is a question of the degree to which persons will be punished. Jesus said, for example, it would be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for uh, um, Nazareth and those countries in Galilee, for example, where all his miracles were done. And that is very, very clear that even in the judgment to come, our, the proportion of our judgment will depend on the amount of light we've got. And Israel has had so much light. Uh, she's rejected light, and now those are the consequences. And by the way, uh, if I were a Jew and I was reading the Bible and I saw that that's what's written of me, my proper response would be to submit to Christ. But it, they can read the Bible, but the Bible says uh, there's a, a, a cloud over the eye, a veil over the eye, they can't see because having rejected the truth, they're now in a state of blindness, and only God is going to remove that, but it'll take chasing to do that.
0: It's not over. Not only sobering for the Jews, but it's sobering for those of us in the English-speaking world who have heard the gospel over and over and over again. And for the individual who's listening tonight, you've heard the gospel, you know what it. you must do in order to be saved, and you've rejected that, you've hardened your heart, there if you don't accept Christ as your Savior, there's going to come a day where you will regret that for all eternity.
1: Most definitely. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Paul in the book of Romans uh, gives about six criteria that we use for that day of judgment. and One of the criteria is going to be how much light you've received. Mm. Your degree of punishment is dependent on the amount of light that it was given to you. So, you know, uh, the heathen who have never heard the gospel uh for the fact that we have failed in carrying the gospel to them, their punishment would be not to the same degree that we have because we've got more, much more light than they've got.
0: Can that verse also be interpreted legitimately in the sense that we in the English-speaking world have so many resources at our fingertips to be able to study the light, to be able to study God's Word in so much more depth than, let's say, even the Apostle Paul had, uh, or maybe I should say even then maybe... Uh, some of these other church fathers had, because we have
1: so many resources and we're able to look back on
0: church history and see prophecies?
1: I don't have any doubt about that, one, Nathan. The, 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 the thing that frightens me is that with all of this uh, availability of uh, information and data and, and different resources, uh, it seems as though that somehow we've taken those things for granted. Uh, For example, take a pastor in the English-speaking world. Think of a pastor who is maybe uh, a Chinese pastor or maybe uh, a Pakistani pastor who doesn't have access to the the resources we've got, the tools we've got. Um, And I'm not even sure that even the English-speaking pastors take uh, advantage of those resources because it depends on you. they become become complacent and lazy when we've got too much. Uh, But definitely, uh, this generation... uh, you know, there's another verse of Scripture where it said that the people in Sodom would rise up and, and condemn this generation. He's talking his generation where it was, because if the amount of light that uh, they, uh, they had was had, in certain, the Bible said they would have repented a long time ago. Mm. So there's no doubt about it that uh, we in the Western world, uh, in the English-speaking world, that has had so many advantages... Uh, The severity of our judgment is going to be far more than those who haven't had access to the kind of enlightenment we've had.
0: If you've just tuned in, you're listening to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. This is a live interactive call-in program. It happens every Tuesday evening for 90 minutes, and we are only 13 minutes into the program, so we have plenty of time left, and we look forward to your interaction. I'm going to go ahead and thank you in advance for your interaction. There's a number of ways you can interact with us. You can call and be put live on the air, and the phone number is 1-268-462-7420. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question and send it to 1-268-782-1454. There's also plenty of time for you to go ahead and send a reminder to a friend or family member. Maybe they're in the same house that you are. Maybe they're in the same workplace. Maybe they're on a different continent, but they can still listen to That's Truth tonight. Just send them a quick WhatsApp. Say, hey, That's Truth is on tonight. They're talking about Bible prophecy, specifically about the tribulation period and different... Uh, Events and details that occur around the tribulation period. If they are somewhere else in the world, they can listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org. Now, Pastor, you started out the program talking about the purpose of the tribulation, but in that explanation, you mentioned the 144,000, and I know that that topic has come up multiple times over the last two years as we've been talking about different things on this program, and you've told uh, the callers as they've asked the questions that we will cover it in detail, more detail. So what do you Mean when you mention uh, the one hundred forty-four thousand? I think you said in Revelation seven. Who exactly are they?
1: Well, I, I want you to t- turn to Revelation chapter seven for just a moment. I'll get to read it shortly, but uh, there is a reference there to one hundred forty-four witnesses that God would raise up during the end time to become the evangelists to carry the the gospel, of the kingdom to the end of the world. But I like to say that these 144,000, they're not the church. The church will be already been raptured. The church is not going to go through the tribulation period. The Bible tells us God has not appointed us to wrath. But they're also not the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that only 144,000 people are going to heaven. And uh, Judge Rutherford, who was the second um, leader, president of the the JW, in 1935, he shut the door to heaven because in 1935, the 144,000 were there. So every Jehovah's witness after 1935 is not looking forward to heaven. He's looking forward to living on earth uh, for forever, basically. But it is very clear when you look in the passage that we've got that this is referring to the Jewish uh, people. It, um, could you look there at ch- uh, chapter 7? Uh, in chapter 7, 1 to 8, you're given the the means or the method that God is going to use. And we're we told, quite frankly, that there are 12,000 from each particular uh, tribe. Could you read that for the audience, please?
0: Yeah. Starting in verse 1 of Revelation chapter 7, it says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending... From the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel, of the tribe of Judah, were sealed twelve thousand; of the tribe of Reuben, were sealed twelve thousand; of the tribe of Gad, were sealed twelve thousand; of the tribe of Asher, were sealed twelve thousand.
1: Well, Nathan, without having to go through reading all of that, it's very, very clear. If, you, if the audience were to take the the passage there in Revelation chapter seven, you see that we are told specifically that there are 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. These are going to be the ones that God has elected to become the evangelists, to go across the world declaring the the gospel of the kingdom. And by the way, I think uh, when you think of the fact that uh, the Jews are are perhaps more suitable to handle this than because the church is raptured. Remember that every Jew substantially is actually learned something about the Bible. Uh, as far as, he may not believe this is a Messiah, but every Jew goes to the the, the, the Torah. He must know the Bible, basically. Uh, and the other thing is that, you know, these are global citizens that come from, the, the Jew has been scattered every single part of the world, and they are either bilingual or trilingual or quadrilingual, but there are people who are, have been able to, to speak several languages. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, uh, think about that, that having this Um, global background, having this uh, capacity to communicate and speak in different languages, having the, the knowledge of Scripture uh, that's there uh, you can see that they become converted and now begin to see the, the truth that it is you can see that they're the most suitable people for to do this kind of a work they already it's not like taking a pig and you've got to start the teaching from ABC every Jewish child knows the Torah every Jewish child has some background in the prophetic writings so you can see the choice for the evangelist during this speed of time uh, is chosen very widely and, and that is why in Ma- Matthew chapter 24 verse 14 the reference is made there that this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in every nation and then come at the end. This is not something the church will accomplish down here. This is reference to the tribulation period and the gospel of the kingdom we preach. The kingdom is coming. People will be warned that the kingdom is coming. So, this is going to be the Jews that are going to uh, um, do this work of evangelism. Uh, there are several things that we are told about them, Nathan. Uh, number one, that they are, they're Jews. But if you look at Revelations 14 3, you'll see that. Um, The reason why these are not JW people, not only are they Jews, but if you look at 14.3, you discover something else about them.
0: Okay, 14.3 says, And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth
1: sees that they're redeemed. They're they redeemed believers. I mean, they're purchased. That's what the whole concept is. So you're dealing with uh, the same concept that we have, that these are people that are the, be believers redeemed. These are going to be redeemed, uh, that are saved during the tribulation period. So they're not only Jews, they're redeemed. But if you look at s- chapter 7 again, and verse 3 and 4, you see that, um, and chapter 14 as well, 14, 4 to 8.
0: All right, chapter 7 and verse what? 3 and 4. Okay saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till, the, s- till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed, an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children see, of Israel. So you say
1: that, they cannot be JW people. I mean, you're talking people who are Jews, you're talking people who are purchased or redeemed, you're also talking people who are sealed uh, by God. And then if you look at uh, Revelation 9.4,
0: 9 4 says, And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads.
1: Right. So this document be protected. You don't, you don't, in other words, during the tribulation period, these are going to be, as a matter of fact, by the time the tribulation period is over, not a hundred and 33, not 120, 144,000 still stand with the Lamb because they're completely protected during that particular period of time. So they are sealed, they're protected. And then there's something else about them in Revelation 14 and verse 4 that we're told.
0: that says, These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb.
1: Again, if you read the verses before, you see this referring to the 144,000. is a description of them. And notice that one of the things they noticed noted for is their moral purity. These are people that join the tribulation, people that forego the their sexual passions and abstain from even mortal uh, relationships. And they become like celibate evangelists. Uh, it's somewhat similar to what Paul told uh, the Corinthians in Corinthians chapter seven, that in light of the times in which they're living, he advised them to remain single these are going to realize that this is this is the final end, and they are going to dedicate themselves completely to God. And that's why the Bible says that they follow the Lamb everywhere He goes. In other words, they are devoted completely to the evangelism and doing the work that God wants them to do. If you look at um, chapter 7, and um, read from verse 9 to 17, you see the marvelous results of their work in that particular uh, section.
0: After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and psalms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and round about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God saying Amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever Amen
1: yeah you want to say Amen to that but notice that that the byproduct of the ministry of the 144,000 is this vast multitude from every tribe every nation every people under heaven that's the success of the ministry that they are going to have during the tribulation period so that is why um this is uh, this is not Jehovah's Witness. This is not the church. This is a select group that is chosen by God to do the work of evangelism, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. The millennial kingdom is coming. Repent and uh, put your faith and trust in Christ. They are going to be the ones that will do that work, and they're going to have a tremendous success. And uh, by the time it's all over. They still stand with the Lamb on, on, on the mountain, you'll discover later in Revelations. Not, not 139,000, but 144,000 completely preserved because they bear the seal of God. And God will protect them in very special ways during that period of time.
0: Now, you keep referencing the, the, the Jews, right? Yeah. Who are the Jews? Just a short, just to make sure we're all on the same page.
1: Well, the Jews are the descendants of Abraham, and uh, they came through the Abrahamic line. They came through the line of Judah. They came through the line of David. Uh, they can be traced way back from Abraham right through to the present. And the Jews are exactly the people who lived there in Palestine. Uh, they were sent into captivity in 722 and then 586 B.C. by the uh, the Babylonians. They returned uh, under Ezra and Nehemiah, rebuilt the temple, rebuilt the walls. Then in 70 A.D. they were scattered by the Romans onto the uttermost parts of the world and God said he would have brought them back. In 1948, the Jews started returning back to Palestine. So the Jews have always been the Jews. Nobody else is the Jews. They're returning to Palestine because God has preserved them and God has got a ministry for them still in the future. Romans 8... Romans 9, 10, and 11 sets forth the whole plan of God for the the, the the Jews. Romans chapter 9 tells you the past. Romans chapter 10 tells you the present. And Romans chapter 11 tells you the future. The Jews are the Jews. Uh, there are no other persons that can replace the Jews. They're God's special people, always protected, always taken care of, and always promised to be brought back to Palestine, which was done in 1948.
0: You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. for broadcasting from Antigua on 1160 AM. FM and online at www.radiolighthouse.org Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 7.56 If you've ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes of this call-in program, you can go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page and click on the Facebook Live video link and you can watch behind the scenes for the remainder of the program. Now, Pastor Revelation chapter seven. We've read a lot of verses from there, but I don't believe the tribe of Dan is mentioned at all in that passage. And why do you think this is?
1: Yeah, that is one of the most fascinating things in the book of Revelation. That in in in, in the outlining the uh, the hundred forty four thousand and the twelve thousand from each tribe of Israel, it is significant that Dan is not mentioned. The the nation, the, the tribe that replaced Dan is Levi. Uh, and the reason for that, it is believed, by the way, uh, uh, the church fathers believe that Dan was left out because the the, the Antichrist is going to come from the tribe of Dan. Uh, so they've always believed that's the reason why he was not included. But there is a better scriptural answer for that one. Um, Dan, if you we don't have the time, but the audience could probably check this out. But in, in Judges chapter eighteen, verse two. And 30 to 31. Well, maybe you can look at that for just a moment. Judges chapter 18, verse uh, 2, and then verse 30 to 31. You'll discover that Dan was the first tribe that introduced idolatry into Israel. But the reason why that is significant, because in Deuteronomy chapter 29, it said the person who in- introduces idolatry to the nation, their name shall be completely wiped out. And it's believed because Dan introduced idolatry, uh, that Dan's name is actually removed. From these uh, these ten, but look at uh, Judges chapter eighteen, verse two, and then thirty to thirty-one.
0: Judges chapter eighteen, verse two says, "And the children of Dan sent their family five men from the, their coats, men of valor, from Zorah and from Eshtual, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go search the land." who when they came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodged there.
1: Okay, now read verse 30 and 31, because you can't read the whole section.
0: And the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershon, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of captivity of the land. And verse 31 says, And they set them up Micah's graven image, which he had made, all the time that the house of god was in shiloh
1: so here is dan setting up idolatry in israel this is the first time it's really set up in in, in the nation itself now if you look at deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 18 to 21 you see that anyone that sets up uh, idolatry in israel we're told that their name uh, needs to be wiped out or blotted out deuteronomy 9 29 29 18 to
0: 21. 29. Deuteronomy 29. 18 to 21, yeah. 18 to 21. All right, starting in verse 18. Yeah. Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood, and it come to pass when he heareth these words of this curse that he— He blessed himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. 21. Verse 21. And the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel, according to the curse of the covenant that are written in the book of the law.
1: Yeah. You see, it says, whether it be a family, whether it be a, a man or a woman or tribe, if you introduce idolatry your name should be wiped out, uh, blotted out. And that's why it's believed that Dan in particular, in this final phase, uh, his name is not mentioned because he introduced idolatry into Israel. And that is is perhaps the best biblical explanation as to why Dan is not mentioned, because God said, I'll blot your name out if you introduce idolatry, and that tribe did introduce idolatry.
0: So does that mean that any descendants of Dan are not considered uh, part of Israel?
1: No, that is that doesn't mean that. But it, uh, for example, it's, it's like um, people ask the question sometimes um, because God has elected uh, Jacob. What about the descendants of Esau? That mean they can't be saved? No, it doesn't mean that. It just mean that um, uh, God selected um, Jacob and uh, God f- f- forego using Esau. But it doesn't mean that all the e- descendants of Esau are, are so damned that they cannot be saved. So it's not the same thing with Dan. Dan in particular. Uh, The name of the tribe is just left out there, but those are are for for Danite's ancestry, uh, could still be converted.
0: You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The name of the program is That's Truth. Are you enjoying Pastor Murphy's teaching style? Be sure you tune in on Sunday night at 8.15 p.m. for Sermons of Grace as he's going through the Book of Romans verse by verse in great detail, and explaining and expounding on that. We also would like to invite you to visit Grace Baptist Church in Gamble's Terrace, Antigua. Are you looking for a good Bible teaching church in Antigua? If so, we would love to invite you and welcome you to our Sunday school at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings our morning worship service at 10 a.m., and our evening worship service at 7 p.m. And then on Thursdays, we have our midweek service at 7 p.m., and that alternates between Bible study and prayer. Pastor, in reference to the the tribulation, I believe it's in uh, Revelation chapter 11, there's a reference to two witnesses that God raises up to speak against the deception of the Antichrist are we able to know who these men are or are they men are we able to know who they are or is that too much speculating
1: well it, it involves some speculation of course but the, the fact is that just as Satan has two henchmen in the final phase the Antichrist and the false prophet in order to foster his program, God will all raise up two counter forces, uh, two particular prophets who will speak out against the Antichrist's agenda uh, during the tribulation period. You find this, for example, in uh, if you look at Revelation chapter 11, verse um, 3 to verse 13, you'll find that this is during the same period because we are told the exact time is 1260, which is three and a half years. Revelation 11, look at verse number 3 to 13 for just a moment. Uh, Revelation 11,
0: verse 3. Yeah. Okay. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred threescore days clothed in sackcloth.
1: Now, to stop they will prophesy a thousand three, uh, um, a thousand...
0: 4,203 score uh, f- days. That is
1: 1260 days. 1260 days is three and a half years, using the prophetic uh, month of three, 30 days.
0: So this would be the second S- half of the this is Yes,
1: this is, yeah. This is, go ahead.
0: These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. You think that's literal
1: of course I mean uh this is the problem people have you're trying to when you try to allegorize the book of Dan, the book of revelation. Uh, even we know it's a pictorial book Using uh, pictures to, But they're portraying something uh, Just like people who um, Might use, it, uh, use Luke chapter 16 About the rich man and the Lazarus I mean they say well it's a parable But what's a parable teach There's some truth being taught by the parable even though you might use pictures to do it Here uh, in the book of Revelation It's a pictorial book it's, 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 it's talking about things that are going to happen But using what is called um, um, The language of imagery to do that. So there's no doubt here that this is what's going to happen. And by the way, you'll find that what the miracles that they do are the same miracles that Elijah did, I mean calling down fire from heaven, you'll also find it'll stop the rain from falling. So if it happened in the past, why do we think it's impossible to happen in the future? Go ahead
0: verse 6 says these have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will and they and when they shall have finished their testimony the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them and their bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified.
1: You notice, uh, where was the Lord crucified? In Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So, so they're going to die in Jerusalem. But go on reading, please.
0: And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their bodies to be put in the graves. And they that dwelt upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophesied torments them that dwelt on the earth.
1: Yeah, you'll discover as well that they're going to see their bodies rise uh, when they they live three three and a half days in in Jerusalem. And and by the way, notice they would not have their bodies to be buried because there's no greater insult to a Jew uh, Mm -hmm. than to leave the body exposed And uh, this is the the ultimate insult against God's prophets who are going to prophesy and bring judgment upon the earth and call down fire and uh, turn water into blood, just like Moses did. And uh, the whole world is going to rejoice when these men are slain. And then the Bible said their body is going to be there for three and a half days, and then suddenly the whole world will see their bodies rise. Now, of course, that could never have happened, except in modern times. What is happening in Israel today because of technology we can see exactly what is going on. That verse, by the way, you, you would read some very bizarre interpretations of that verse prior to this technology because people say, but how would the whole world see it? Today, no, nobody wonders about that. See, yeah. That gives you the insight of how precise God knew uh, exactly the level of technology we would have reached to make that kind of a statement. Because to make that kind of a statement uh, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, would be total folly. But today, we, we, we can actually see that happening. That's why I know that we are very close towards midnight, that the time is very short because we have that access, that kind of technology to make that available to the, to the world.
0: What verse do you want me to go through? No,
1: I think that's what okay. I want to say. And the, the point I'm making here is that these are two people that God would raise up. Um, there's a lot of speculation about it. Um, some people say that they're going to be Elijah and uh, Enoch. And the reason why they did to say that is because um, Enoch, um, you know, never died. He was he was translated. And of course, Elijah never died. He also was translated. And people say, well, it's a point of a man wants to die, and after it's judgment, so they're going to have to come back, and they'll die during the tribulation period. Uh, but they say that it's probably um, um, Elijah and uh, Enoch for that purpose. Other people say, and uh, it's probably Elijah and Moses, and the reason why they say that, by the way, you remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Who appeared to, to discuss Christ's death? Elijah and Moses, and remember, Christ had told the disciples that some of you, before I, I you die, will see my glory. Yeah, that is when it took place, when our Lord's glory diminished short too is is and it was like a light, like the lightning.
0: So he wasn't saying they were going to last until the re- no, the that's the point. You're going to see his
1: glory. So they saw his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, and the people that believed that these same two characters. Would be the same two characters that God would raise up in the end time to be the witnesses. And notice that they do exactly what Moses and Elijah did. Yeah. Moses turned the water into blood. Uh, Elijah uh, called down fire, and he also um, halted the rain. So there, there are people who believe that um, this is going to be Elijah and Moses. Others believe it's going to be Enoch and it's going to be Elijah. Uh, all speculation. There's no, no, no uh, certainty that uh, they're going to be either one of these things. However. I would like to say the reason why they say it's Elijah, several things. Number one, he never tasted death. Uh, Number two, he was present on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Number three, Malachi 4, 5 says that he was sent, God was sent Elijah before that great and terrible day. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. And then, of course, um, he's the one that stopped rain for three and a half years. This same person will do for three and a half years as well. And above else, he was a prophet. Uh, and the other one is uh, Enoch. Enoch, uh, for example, um, we know he never died. But according to Jude chapter 4, not chapter 4, it's only one chapter in Jude. Jude 4, Enoch was a prophet. Prophet, The seventh from Adam who prophesied the Lord coming back. Uh, uh, in, in judgment. In, just just look at Jude 14 and 15, uh, Nathan, and just read that. It's a, f- yeah. a fascinating prophecy that this, uh, this prophet made.
0: Jude 14 and 15? Yeah. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these saints, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him.
1: That's the prophecy of the second coming, believe it or not. I mm-hmm. mean, here is the first human prophet prophesying that the Lord is coming back to judge.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: it's fascinating but again we notice the word used, ungodly, 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 ungodly uh, so that's why it's believed that he's probably going to be one of those prophets because uh, it's to be a fulfillment of his own prophecy there in the book of Jude 14 and 15. But that's uh, that's the extent we can say we, we don't know for certainty. The Bible doesn't give you the names. And, of course, we like to speculate a lot. And uh, there's a similarity between Elijah and Moses and these same prophets. And then we all don't know that uh, Elijah never was never died. He was translated. And Enoch was translated as well. So there's some possibility, but we really can't speak with great certainty.
0: But most likely they're going to be Jews.
1: Oh, yeah, they're, they're going to be Jews. I don't think there's any question about that at all. They're going to be Jews.
0: Yeah, I find it very interesting th- in light of what you were talking about how the Jews, even today, who may consider themselves secular, they're still going to have the basis of uh, the what happened with Moses in Egypt and those that would be alive at this time, their mind surely would be reflected back yeah. to those yeah. those
1: miracles. That is why Paul was such a great theologian. The Apostle Paul. I remember he was thought, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the great teacher, and Paul knew the Old Testament. So when he came to faith in Christ, I mean, you, you can just imagine the light he began to see when he began to study with a different, looking through the spectacles of Christ and looking at this. It's like when you begin to understand that these are written about me. And you go into Scripture, and you begin to look for Him in every single book of the Bible, whether it be a prophet or priest or or some particular act. You begin to see Him in a way that you've never seen Him before. And I think this is what will happen with a lot of the Jews. They still have a great knowledge of Scripture.
0: Pastor, a quick question from a listener in the Caribbean. Good night, Pastor. How does God answer prayers from two groups of people that are praying for opposite things? For example... The Super Bowl last Sunday night, if Christians are praying for one team to win and Christians on the other side are praying for their team to win, how does God answer, choose which team to, or which prayer to answer?
1: If I could answer that question, I'd be, I'd be a real superman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that, but I will tell you this. I. I I uh, you know I am a kind of a person when it comes to these different activities like sports and so on. I I don't know why I need to pray for somebody to win. I just pray that the best team win to be very honest with you. I think that we get carried away with these things we should be praying about we don't pray about. So I, I'm I'm not I can't tackle that question. Um I, I don't know how to answer that question. I think that'd be a sovereign act of God. The other things that we need to, to factor in as well, um uh, I don't think that every single thing on on earth happens because God made it happen. I think the individual makes choices, and I think the team that prepared the best, the team that was um, better equipped, the team that was better focused, uh, I think that all of those are factors that are taken into consideration.
0: Are you saying God's not in control of everything?
1: I'm saying that there are things that human beings are allowed to do because we are free moral agents. If God's in control of everything, it means that God is responsible for sin. And the Bible makes it very, very clear that God does not tempt anybody to sin, neither can he be tempted by evil. So in, in, in trying to explain the concept of God's sovereignty, we know that God is sovereign and that this whole course of history, it will follow the course that he has set. There's no question about that. But people make uh, moral decisions, and make um, and those decisions have consequences. To say that God makes me do everything that I do. Uh, makes me know i 'm no longer a moral creature i 'm a robot, and i don 't think anybody with any kind of reasoning uh, could believe that we could hold anybody guilty for any kind of crime if God forced me to do uh, th- those kind of things i don 't think it is a proper understanding what the biblical doctrine of the sovereignty of God is all about
0: Time across the eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is eight fifteen this is a live interactive call-in program, and we'd love for you to interact with us. You can call and be put live on the air. The phone line is open and waiting for you. The phone number is one 462 7420 I know I just said that really fast, so I'm going to slow down a little bit and give it to you again. 1-268-462-7420. If you'd rather WhatsApp or text, you can send your message to one two six eight seven eight two one four five four. 782 1454 No matter how you're joining us tonight, we are glad that you are listening and that you are thinking about what is being taught, and I trust that it will be used as Others ask you questions about end times, and is the Bible really true? And you'll be able to use this information to answer their questions. Now, Pastor, the tribulation, the church is not going through it, correct? Correct. So why not just throw up my hands? Why should I spend time studying and be interested in the tribulation at all? Why do I? Sh- why should I care about it?
1: Well, I, I think that when we <coughs> realize what's going to happen during this period of time, there, there are several things. I mean, number one, the fact that God is included in His Word is obviously designed. Uh, for us to benefit from uh, some some aspect of it. Uh, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is powerful doctrine for reproof, for correction and instruction. So clearly there is some benefit for it. And when you look at the tribulation period, <coughs> there are some things that you learn about man, for example. The fact that man is rebellious, the fact that man <coughs> is easily deceived. Uh, what will shock you that we go through the millennial kingdom They've experienced all the, I mean, people a hundred years are like nothing in the tribulation period. So you've seen all the blessings of God, and then at the end of the tribula- at the end of the millennial kingdom, Satan is loose. And he's still able to go back and deceive the world to follow him again. It gives you an idea that man is susceptible to deception in spite of all the blessings of God of a thousand years of his rule of Christ. So I think that is interesting that that, that man is so easily deceived. The other thing, of course, is that the fact that God is holy and God is gracious and God is just uh the the the, the terrible judgments of the tribulation period if there's any doubt at all that god is a, a, a god of of holiness and a god of justice uh that peri- that thought perishes because a lot of people today have got a distorted concept of god that he's just one love ball and that uh we can do whatever we want. and no consequences, and uh, he's just going to close a blind eye. He's like an old great-granddaddy who is indulgent and doesn't worry about the, the grandchild doing things that are wrong and things that are evil. That's the concept we have of God.
0: But isn't love his primary characteristic and everything else just just kind of a subset?
1: That's a mistake. If you check the, the scriptures, it's always uh, interesting to know that God always showed himself holy first, and then he showed love. That's why in the book of the, the whole Old Testament, the emphasis is on the holy of God. You come to the New Testament, the emphasis on love. The distortion is is if if you're aware that God is holy, that's his regulatory characteristic. Every other attribute of God is regulated by his holiness. So if it is love, it is holy love. If it's mercy, it's holy mercy. It's holy compassion. Uh, And that's what people fail to understand. The lopsided presentation of the love of God today has led to the state we find ourselves in where there's such a moral uh, decline and and such moral looseness that people no longer see to care about whether or not what is right, what is wrong, what is moral, what's immoral. I think we've helped to create that state by failing to emphasize the holiness of God. And when you come to Revelation, there's no doubt at all that this is a God of holiness is acting judicially uh, to, to deal with man finally, and uh, so that man who has been sitting with impunity finds that there's a final end to God's patience and his long-suffering, and he begins to judge. And of course, the other thing you can learn from the, the, um, the tribulation is the craftiness and the subtlety and the deceptive power of Satan, how he uses religion, the, the mm-hmm. false prophet, uh how he uses uh signs and wonders these men that call down miracles and, and point towards worship the beasts uh we should not be surprised that one of the chief methods of satan is to always infiltrate the church and use religion to get his uh, get his operatives within the and paul deals with that in the book of second uh, corinthians when he talk about satan um displaying himself as an angel of light and he also talk about false prophets who are servants of satan and we need to be aware of that. I think these are some things that we can learn. So I would say that because uh, the Bible actually uh, has it and is there for us for our learning, for our understanding, the other thing I think that uh, it should give us a sense of gratitude and a sense of thankfulness to God that we, we're not going to go through this and that God in His grace and His mercy will rescue His church uh, not to go through this time of wrath and tribulation. And it also gives us a sense of expectation and hope that we know that before it gets to this worsening state we will not be here we will be gone so we look expectantly to for the Lord's return and then the um uh, the other thing i think that is uh crucially important uh about this as well is that um you remember in genesis chapter 18 uh, when god was going to destroy sodom and gomorrah you know what he said shall i hide this from my servant moses in other words, God always wants to bring His people into His confidence, to let them know what His plan is, uh, and that is a marvelous uh, verse there in Genesis chapter eighteen, verse seventeen. He's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and he, 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 I must tell—I must tell Moses. I want Moses to uh, to, uh, um, to hear that. Sorry, Abraham, to hear that. And I think when it comes to His people, uh, He wants His people to know exactly what His plans are. So that when we begin to see certain things happening, we don't panic and we don't lose heart. We just recognize this is part of the plan of God and it's going to happen.
0: You were talking about Satan using religion as deception in the uh, the end times. Do you really believe that Satan is using religion in deception here in Antigua in 2020, uh, in Montserrat in the Caribbean?
1: I don't have any question about that. It's always been uh, his strategy and his plan. As a matter of fact, you go back to Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis, where they're trying to build a tower up to heaven uh, to create a name for themselves. That's where idolatry started. And the mastermind behind idolatry, read uh, the book of Corinthians, behind idols, are demons, Satan is trying to counterfeit everything God is doing. He's trying to counteract that. They've got evil forces fighting against the force of good, so it should not surprise anybody that religion is being used. And Paul tells us in 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 Thessalonians, and to- tells us especially in First Timothy chapter four, and Second Timothy as well, that the main one of the main. Uh, things that we can look forward to the end time is the matter of deception, doctrine of demons and, and spirit of demons within the church. So there's no doubt about that. If you look across the landscape, the the, the uh, religious landscape, or whether it be Antigua, Barbados, or any other country, uh, you see the countless amount of religions and cults uh, that are competing, whether it be the Baha'i faith, whether it now be the accepted of the Muslim faith, the Hindus, whether it be uh, <coughs> the Rascaruchians, Um, whether it be theosophy, whether it be the New Age movement, (coughs) all of these are are religious movements, by the way. It's just that they uh, have a skewed view of Scripture. So I don't think anybody should be surprised that Satan would be using uh, in Antigua, in Barbados, all over the world. Religion is one of the key tools that he uses to get his his way and get his plan.
0: But isn't religion the way that I can know that I'm (coughs) going to heaven?
1: Well, it's not religion that we're talking about. We talk Christianity. We talk about living faith in Christ. Uh, Religion is is, is virtually man searching for God. Christianity is God's search for man and found man and offered man a way of salvation. So man is not working his way uh, to God. That way has been provided, that way it has been made. And uh, a a true person who is saved and, and generally converted is a person who who comes to Christ and put their faith and trust in Christ. He's not searching for a way to God. That way is already there. He recognizes the way that God has prepared, and he turns to Christ in faith and accepts Christ in faith. So we're not looking for another way. That way has already been there, and the road has already been been, been built for us between God and man. That has been preached through Jesus Christ.
0: Pastor, we have a WhatsApp question <clears throat> from St. Martin. Thank you to the individual who sent it in. The question is, good night. After the rapture, can one still make it to heaven?
1: I think we discussed this at some length before, and uh, we made a reference in the Second Thessalonians where the Bible says that uh, because those who do not acknowledge the, receive the truth today, God will give them strong delusionment that they believe a lie. And this is where um, I, I kind of believe this myself, that people who have access to the truth and who have been exposed to the truth who have willfully rejected the truth in this period of time. And uh, the Bible says, because they rejected the truth, God would judicially blind them so that they don't understand the truth when when the final phase comes. This is part of God's judgment. You know, it's the same thing with Israel. Israel is now judicially blinded. Read Romans nine, ten, and 11. Because of the rejection of Christ, uh, God has judicially blinded the nation. As a nation, individual Jews could come to faith and trust in Christ. But I would not... Um, Uh, In any way Give anybody Any hope Who has been exposed To the gospel today Who understands the gospel Who even believes the gospel But has never received the gospel And and rejected the gospel I think when that day comes uh, God says I'm going to make sure That you don't believe I'm going to make sure that Because you're rejecting the truth You cannot continue to sin With impunity our choices have consequences, and God warns us about this so that when it does happen, we can't say he didn't warn us. It's just that like people say there's no hell, but if God has done everything to, to make sure that you don't go to hell, he actually, actually sent his son, he sent all kinds of warning signs. What can, else can God do if you deliberately reject what God says to do? And that is why uh, people who reject the gospel now will find it extremely almost impossible. Uh, to be able to come to faith and tr- knowledge because of Second Thessalonians chapter two,
0: but there will be people <coughs> that get saved during the tradition. oh yeah. yeah.
1: There's no. We just talked about Revelation chapter seven, where the hundred and forty four thousand are, are chosen by God to become evangelists and a great multitude that no people can number. But think, don't remember today that there are more people. Uh, who don't know the gospel, and know the gospel today. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got about maybe, I think we profess about one billion Christians, etc. But we have a, a world of what, seven billion, eight, 8 billion eight
0: billion? Seven something Something, doing.
1: Yeah. So you've got a lot of people who are still not, uh, have never, re- re- heard the they're, they're never heard the gospel. There are places who never heard the gospel. There are languages that the gospel has not uh, been translated into. So there's still a mass amount of people and the, Christians, the Christian church can't seem to keep up with the population in terms of reaching because the other thing is that we're losing missionaries. We're not having more missionaries. We're having less missionaries today Uh, and that means the need is even greater.
0: You're listening to That's Truth, a live interactive program broadcasting from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Thank you to the individual who sent in that question. We appreciate your listening and encouraging others to listen. Pastor, a word, and I've been looking forward to talking about this topic, but a word that often is used in connection with the tribulation is the word Armageddon what specifically does this mean?
1: Yeah, well Armageddon is probably one of the best known prophetic words when it comes to demon end time prophecies uh, everybody thinks that Armageddon normally refers to the end of the world you, you know, that is, as a matter of fact it was Ronald Reagan uh, who said that this may be the generation that will experience Armageddon of course he's gone and dead Armageddon hasn't come but he had said that uh, and then uh, you remember in 1988, there was a, a, block bu- a blockbuster movie uh, called Armageddon where they were going to have this uh, asteroid the size of Texas supposed to collide with planet Earth. So it's a biblical term that uh, is a sensational term that is used uh, even by the movie industry. But the Bible speaks of Armageddon as a very specific event. Uh, it is mentioned only in, in the book of Revelation. If you look at Revelation chapter 16, verse 16, uh, Nathan, just read that please.
0: Revelation 16.16
1: 16.
0: and he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon
1: yeah this if you read the passage before you will find that all the armies of the earth are going to be coming against Jerusalem in the final phase to create what is called the final solution the complete wiping out of the Jews the destruction of Israel you remember Hitler decided he had the final solution during the end time at the climax of the uh, just before the millennial kingdom is established and our Lord will come back and and destroy the armies of the earth but we are told in that passage all the armies of the earth will be gathered against Jerusalem and uh, this is called the great battle of Armageddon so uh, the the word itself by the way um, comes from two words the word har which means mountain and Megiddo which is a city um, that is in northern part of ancient Israel so it's really, um, Armageddon really refers to the city of Megiddo. Uh, Megiddo was a, a built on a hill, uh, and, uh, and the mountain part of it. So we hope uh, the word Armageddon is referring to the Mount of uh, Megiddo. In the scriptures, uh, there are different names for this same um, uh, this same place. Sometimes it's called the Valley of Jezreel. Other places it's called the Valley of Esdraelon and it's also called the the plains of Megiddo or the valley of Tena but this is the place where there would be a convergence of all the nations, armies coming against Israel in the final phase before Christ comes back in his glory and destroys the armies of the world Uh, Nathan if you look at Zephaniah, Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 uh, it gives you some information there about this final phase of the war
0: Zechariah twelve one, one and two. two. Uh-huh. The burden of the word of the Lord of Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens, and layeth the foundation of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem.
1: Okay, notice that he's going to make Jerusalem a cup of trim to all the nations, and there'll be a siege. Look at chapter 14, verse 1 and 2, same same book, Zechariah.
0: Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the city shall not be cut off from the city
1: again, notice all nations will come and gather them this this is the same final battle that uh, they book the well, the battle of Armageddon when all the armies uh, of the world. Who allied himself with the allied himself with the the Antichrist would come against Israel in that final phase. So really, this this um, battle of Armageddon is not the final battle on planet Earth. The final battle on planet Earth is the battle of Gog and Magog in chapter nine, to tw- to Revelation chapter twenty. But this is going to be a, a telephone. Okay.
0: Yeah, Pastor, we have a call from Param Antigua. Thank you very much for calling, and go ahead with your question, please.
1: Hello. Yes. Good evening yes good night good night um uh, pastor murphy yes sir
0: my question is the bible teaches that god is the same yesterday today and forever yes why is it that um miracles are not prevalent or uh, maybe even at all today when the, the blind man's eyes were opened, the, the deaf heard. The, even Lazarus was raised from the dead. What, what, why, why? What's going on now? Well, every time I pray, I don't I don't get
1: nothing. Well, <laughs> by the way, when he says he's same yesterday, today, forever, it means his character doesn't change. It doesn't mean his way of dealing with us doesn't change. The other thing <laughs> that you need to... Uh, so when it's talking about the same yesterday, forever, dealing with God's character, his attributes, he doesn't change. He's always God. He's always eternal. Uh, nothing about... It. He's always a God of... God of love, God of mercy, God of grace, all his attributes. So he doesn't change in terms of his character's concern. But he does change in his way he deals with us. The other thing that we've got to bear in mind, you know, that I think what has happened to our generation is that we have grieved the Holy Spirit into silence and into withdrawal. Uh, If you only know what God could see, what's going on in the church, you will pretty much understand why God's hand is almost... Manacled or um, put in a stretcher. It's not that God doesn't want to work on our behalf, but the evil that is going on in the church, if you could only see what's going on, the pornography, the immorality, uh, the falsehood, the the backstabbing, the gossip, if you could only see what's going on, you don't see that. But God sees that, and God can't bless our present state we're in. That's why in the book of Revelation, I'm going through that now in, the, in our um, The message of seven churches in the book of Revelation. It's fascinating that every single one of those churches He has one message for them repent, repent, repent. What we need is repentance. What we need, you know, and this is the problem. We've gone towards entertainment. The church has become an entertainment center. Oh, yeah. That is true. So, what I think is needed, what we need right now is brokenness and repentance. And when God sees that we are broken and we repentant, you would be surprised what God can do. But I really feel the Holy Spirit has been grieved. we okay. not the Holy Spirit. And the Bible okay. t- do not quench. I think that's where we are. That's our problem. I appreciate it. Okay, very sir. much, Pastor. Okay, sir. Thank you very much. You're thank welcome. You.
0: Thank you very much for that call. Very practical, thought-provoking question. And thank you for that answer, Pastor. Pastor, we have a WhatsApp question from Anguilla. Good night. We are now seeing the black Israelites now on the scene. What do you think of them, Pastor?
1: Well, I, What do I think of them? Uh, I, you know, Israel had rescued a lot of them, by the way, from the Ethiopia um, when they had this war. And um, that's the journey time of uh, Selassie. I, um, Israel had brought, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, historically it's believed that um, they go back to uh, Solomon, Solomon's time. So I think the fact that the Jewish nation have actually brought a lot of them back into Palestine, I think that is recognized by Israel that it's, uh, they're not just uh, pigmentation that makes you a Jew. It's a commitment to, to God and the, the God of Israel. So whether it be a Chinese Jew or a black Jew or green-blue or a white Jew or a, a Caucasian Jew or a Semitic Jew, I think it's a good thing that the nation of Israel recognizes uh, that those people who hold to the Judaistic faith are now given the same rights and allowed to be in Palestine like anybody else. So I think it's a good thing.
0: You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The time across the Eastern Caribbean is 8.35. We have about 25 minutes left in the program tonight. The phone line is available to take your call. So if you want to be put live on the air, you can call 1-268-462-7420. Or if you want to WhatsApp or text your question like others have already tonight, you can send it to one 268 782 1454 Uh, Pastor you were mentioning that uh, the battle of Armageddon you were saying that's not the last battle
1: No I was saying that the, the, the battle the final battle is found in Revelation chapter 20 which is called the battle of Gog and Magog and that occurs after the millennial kingdom a lot of people think that Armageddon is the final battle on planet earth it's the final battle where before Christ comes back to deal with the nations of this world and set up its kingdom but after the millennial kingdom we're told that the devil will be loose for a thousand, after a thousand years and he will go and deceive uh, the nations and that means that the people will be born during the tribulation period and even living under the the rule of Christ uh, in almost an idyllic paradise yet he is able still to deceive people the problem, you know people talk, think the problem is the environment the problem is not the environment the problem is human heart that's the problem Uh, I tell people this all the time, you know, in a perfect garden of Eden, the devil is able to deceive us. So if we talk about environment is the final solution, so let's clean up this and clean up the next. I'm not against having better housing, having better utilities, etc., but it's a mistake to think that human problem is a matter of the environment. The human problem is a problem of the heart. Jesus said, out of the heart come all these evils. The heart is the problem. And... uh, that will be shown clearly during the, the the final phase of human history. You've got a thousand years of Christ's rule on planet Earth. Idyllic paradise every need that man has uh, the land lay down with the, sh- the, the lamb the, the snake has lost its venom pretty much every need is met but yet at the end of that period of time you still got a, a rebels that have come out the tribulation out of the out of the million kingdom that the devil is able to deceive to go against the same very Christ again it's not the environment it has to do with the human heart unless that heart is converted and brought to saving knowledge of Christ it is open to deception
0: now I know on a lot of these these prophecies that we've discussed over the last 12 weeks, there are other Bible passages that reference uh, specific events that are talked about in Revelation. Is that true with this situation here with Armageddon with this topic?
1: Yeah, I think if you trying to go through the Old Testament, and by the way there are numerous biblical passages that deal with Armageddon. Isaiah chapter 4, we don't have to look at these, i just give the audience mm-hmm. in case they need to look at them. Isaiah 34 verse 1 to 16 covers the same battle of Armageddon. Isaiah 63 verse 1 to 6. The book of Joel chapter 3 verse 1 to 17. Uh, Zechariah 12 1 to 9. Zechariah 14 1 to 14. Malachi 4 1 to, 1 to 5. Revelation 14, 14 to 16. Revelation 16 Twelve to sixteen, Revelation nineteen, nineteen to twenty-one. All of these are passages deal with this this this, uh, this battle of uh, Armageddon. But there are some references that uh, gives us some idea of um, a little more specifics as far as this is concerned. For example, if you look at Joel chapter three, verse two and twelve, you'll see that this this uh, Armageddon battle is going to involve in the valley of Jehoshaphat as well. Jehoshaphat, the valley, uh, the valley of Jehoshaphat, is the Kidron Valley, and the Kidron Valley is on the eastern side of Jerusalem, and runs eastward along the wall of Jerusalem uh, near the Mount of Olives. But if you look at Joel chapter three verse two and 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 twelve, uh, you see that reference references made to this same battle. Uh, can you read that for me, please? Yeah.
0: I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them. There for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. You said verse 12?
1: Yeah, verse 12.
0: Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about.
1: Yeah there it is that this is dealing with the same thing when they come against Israel and uh, Christ has to intervene and he has come up with great severity. so the valley of Jehoshaphat which is the eastern side of Jerusalem uh, that is part of the whole that's why I said the armies are coming against Jerusalem coming against Israel the final solution to wipe Israel off the map Hitler tried. It. He couldn't do it. No other nation under heaven had been able to do it. And uh, because God has preserved his people, and God will preserve them. We know that two-thirds of the Jews are going to be killed during the tribulation, but God has a remnant according to the election of grace. One-third will be preserved. And then the other one is um, in Revelation uh, 12, verse 14
0: to 16. All right. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time. And from the face of the serpent... And yeah, we
1: did chapter 16?
0: Sorry, chapter 12. Yeah, chapter 16. Chapter 16, yes,
1: verse... Uh,
0: 14 to 16. 14 to 16. For they were... Uh, For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And verse 16, And he gathered them together to a place called In the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon.
1: Armageddon, there it is. Remember, Armageddon is is called the Valley of Jezreel. It's it's in the plain of Megiddo, and sometimes it's called the Valley of Tira. But this is a place where they're going to be gathered. This particular location, by the way, is 20 miles long, and I'm told it's 14 miles wide. Uh, is a very flat plain. I think it was Napoleon who said it's the most ideal place for a war because of the flatness and the vastness of that area. But all the armies of the earth were going to be gathered against Israel to destroy the nation of Israel. So notice that it's going to be in the Valley of Jehoshaphat, part of uh, Jerusalem, part, out of Jerusalem, and it's also going to be in the Valley of Esdraelon. The other thing that uh, is significant, if you look at Isaiah chapter 34, uh, this is perhaps a, a fascinating part of it, by the way.
0: Isaiah 34? Yeah. And what verse?
1: Uh, Read verses
0: 1 to 5. Okay. Come near, ye nations, to hear, and hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear, and all that is therein, the world, and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies, He hath utterly destroyed them, he hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcass, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falleth from the vine, and as the falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, I shall come down upon Idumea, and upon the people of my curse to judgment."
1: Okay, read verse 6.
0: "...the sword of the Lord is filled with blood, and it is made fat with fatness with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams, for the Lord hath a sacrifice in Bozar.
1: Okay, notice the word, uh, um, um, uh, that word um, um, Boswell. Boswell. Yeah, it's mentioned there. It's interesting that uh, when our Lord returns and deals with the armies of the, the earth and he destroys, it, 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 you see the language that's used there, very picturesque language about this massive destruction. Extremely graphic. R- very, very graphic. But you notice that a place spe- is, is mentioned. He's going to wear A place called what? My sword is dipped with blood and, and et cetera, and I'm going to where? Boswell. Basra, by the way, is in Jordan. Hmm. The question is, why would uh Christ in dealing with this mighty army, why does he mention in particular that he's going to deal he's going to deal with Boswell? and when he comes from Boswell, his his sword is dripped with blood, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um because in Boswell is the city of Petra. And you remember the book of Revelation, by the way look at Revelation chapter twelve, uh verse number six to eleven. You remember it said that uh if you look at that for just a moment, Revelation chapter twelve. You see the connection, what I'm trying to draw, the relationship between Boswell and uh, Revelation chapter 12.
0: Revelation chapter 12. And read what,
1: verse number 6.
0: Verse 6 says, And the woman fled into the wilderness. Well,
1: could you just read a few verses before uh, yeah, that go, so we get the gist of it?
0: I'll go up to verse 4. Yeah, And his tail drew the third part of the saint stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, whom was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness.
1: Oh, just stop there for yeah. just a moment. Remember that we're dealing with Revelation. And this is a picture of Satan now trying to destroy Israel. And he's going to try to destroy the, the Israelite. Notice that she is told she runs into the, the wilderness to protect herself. It's interesting. Also, in Matthew chapter twenty-four, Jesus said to the Jews, "When you see these things come to pass," uh, he says, "escape and uh, flee into the wilderness." It is believed that the city of Petra, which is on the eastern side by in 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 modern Jordan, yeah. that is called a rock city. It has an entrance where it's very, very narrow, and then it opens into a very wide expanse. It believed that this is exactly where the Jews are going to flee to protect themselves from the Antichrist, so that when Christ comes back and he goes to Boswell and he comes back with his sword, he's gone after the enemy who have gone after Israel in their pursuit. So that is why I was trying to show the, the connection there between the fact that uh, this word Boswell is m- mentioned. The other thing that is, um, um I think is significant Um we know that the antichrist is going to I- invade Israel uh, after the seven years when he break the treaty and try to pursue her. If you look at Micah uh, chapter two, verse twelve and thirteen, you see uh, another connection there. Micah chapter two, two verse twelve and thirteen. Yeah.
0: I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather a remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Basra. As the flock in the midst of their fold, they shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker is come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it and the king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them.
1: Again, see the word Bozo again? The word that is used there is a sheepfold. Mm -hmm. And the city of Petra is like a sheepfold. You know, a sheepfold, you make a sheepfold, you've got one entrance, Mm -hmm. and everything is surrounded. So it's believed that this is why he, in his reference to this same period of time, he goes to Boswell, because that's where the Jews are going. Because the question there, if you read Matthew chapter 24, when you see these things begin to happen, he said, flee. Don't even leave anything, just flee. Uh, Flee into the wilderness. Where are the Jews going to go when this massive, armies come against Israel, the answer is there, they're going to try to flee to protect themselves, and that is where, when he comes back and destroys the army, he goes to Basra because he's delivering his people. If you look also at Isaiah chapter 34, verse 6, Isaiah chapter
0: 34 and verse 6 reads, The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness. And with the blood of the lambs and goats, and the fat of the kidneys of rams, and the Lord hath a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of idu
1: Same thing, because that's where that's where Basra was. It was in Edom, and that is now where modern Jordan is, and that's where the city of Petra is. But notice Mm -hmm. that, again, the same thing. He's, He's got this massive slaughter. He's slaughtering in Basra. And then look at Isaiah chapter 63, verse 1 to 3.
0: Sixty-three verses one, 1 to 3 yeah. says who is this that cometh from Edom Why dyed garments from Basra this is a glorious in his apparel traveling in his in the greatness of his strength I that speak in righteousness might, mighty to save wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like the treadeth in the wine fat I have trodden the winepress alone, and the people there was not with me. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain my raiment.
1: Same thing. the The imagery there, by the way, is like a wine press. You know, wine press. You put all the grapes in a hole, and then people stand upon them and scatter them because that's how the Jews would do it. And then, of course, the the, the, the juice would drain out. The Lord is comparing His destruction of the people in that place of Masra. He's is like a a man who is. In the wine press, stamping on, 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 on the blood is all on the, the garment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Again, notice that in every case, Bosworth is mentioned. And it has to do with the same time when uh, he's coming back to protect his people, Israel, because of the armies of the earth trying to destroy the Jewish for the final solution. God intervenes, but notice that Bosworth is mentioned specifically, and Bosworth is currently in Jordan uh, where Edom was. So, uh, Revelation talks about, I mean, the, the Old Testament talks about these different places, the Valley of Je- Jehoshaphat, uh, the Valley of Esdraelon, or what we call the Valley of Arm- uh, Armageddon, and also this particular place called bosra uh, And all relates to the same time when our Lord comes back to deliver his people, Israel, from the onslaught. Of the nation, the world. It's actually it said, I'll make Jerusalem a cup of trembling. Nobody wants to handle her. And by the way, that's the way the world is today. Yeah. The UN, for example, if you check the amount of uh, times that they voted against Israel vis a vis the Palestinians. There's no doubt that there's a prejudice against the nation of Israel within the UN nations. Without America today to defend Israel within the UN, uh, quite frankly, I think the land probably will be taken away from Israel given given to the Palestinians. This is the situation. And as we go towards the end time, uh, Israel is going to be seen to be this problem with the world. Uh, and uh, especially when it begins to begin to get all kinds of different wars in the Middle East. The nation that's going to be blamed for this is going to be Israel. And the, the attitude of the nation of the world will be against the nation of Israel. And uh, the Bible lets us know this exactly what's going to happen.
0: Do you take that literal that every nation in the world will be turned against, that they won't have any allies?
1: I am not too sure it's... How do I take that? Sometimes, as I use this poetic, uh, poetic language, and that can be the language hyperbole. but I do think that the, the end times. Look, for example, I think if we were to have war in the Middle East and we couldn't get oil, we couldn't get this. I think you'd see people in uh, Barbados, people in Antigua blaming the Jews. All these crazy Jews! that they only give back people land, I can see that kind of attitude different because once we feel the pinch. Yeah. somehow our attitude is changed and I think that's what's going to happen in the end time that the attitude of the world is going to turn towards the nation of Israel because they'll be seen as a troubled spot and uh, to be belligerent and to be adamant and wouldn't, wouldn't begin to change there and uh, you know and unless you believe in the Bible which believes that the land of Israel that piece of real estate was given by God to the Israeli, Israelis. Uh, I think that uh, to solve the world's problem, I can see people adopting the attitude that it really should land should belong to the Palestinians.
0: Pastor, you've been talking about the geographical locations. Uh, that were mentioned in the Old Testament. There, talking about the location of Armageddon and of Petra and all. Uh, what is going to be the aftermath of this great end-time war?
1: Well, I I think when you read the book of Revelation and uh, you you also look at the other passages in the Old Testament, uh, it is going to be a, a situation where I'm not even too sure that the that we can envisage the extent of the scope of the carnage that's going to be there, uh, with all of these rotted corpses, with all the weaponry of modern warfare, uh, the the spectacle of seeing Christ. Uh, completely coming back and obliterating all the uh, this massive army that is uh, against Israel. Uh, can you, in, for one moment, imagine, imagine the rotting mass of putrid human flesh that is there? And there's an interesting verse, uh, Nathan, in Revelation 14, which gives us an extent of the, the slaughter that will take place. Uh, if it were not in the Bible, we would find it almost incredible to believe. But in Revelation 14-20, to 20, it makes it clear that the blood is going to flow for a hundred and eighty miles, and it's going to be up to the, the 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 bridle of the of the horse, which is about three feet. So imagine a uh, a river of blood, uh, three feet high, flowing for a hundred and eighty miles. That's the extent the Bible explains. This kind of a slaughter that's going to be there. Could you read Revelation chapter fourteen, verse seventeen to twenty?
0: And the angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry unto him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and the blood came out of the winepress even onto the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs.
1: Yeah, if you check that out, it's 180 miles, and up to the bridle is about three to four feet. So that gives you an idea of the kind of slaughter we're talking about. That's why the the, the armies of the earth coming against Israel in the valley of Jezreel, and uh, it is almost inconceivable to imagine what carnage that would be, and how much blood would be shed in that day, because when our Lord comes back, He doesn't come back in compassion, He comes back and anger and wrath and man's glory will finally be destroyed and uh, all opposition rebellion against God will be uh, finally resolved and the story the Bible makes it very clear it will all end and we know it's how it's going to end God will have the last word uh, but what a terrible day that's going to be
0: Pastor as we wrap things up in the program tonight we've got two minutes two and a half minutes left in the program How do all of these events that we've been talking about relate to the second coming of Christ, and do you really believe he's coming back?
1: Well, remember uh, what we're talking about here is that um, we're talking about the fact that Uh, uh, the tribulation period precedes the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is not the same as the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is when the church is taken out. The rapture of the church was a mystery. It's not told in the Old Testament, and it's one of those truths that were kept for the church. Uh, However, when it comes to the tribulation and the second coming, which is the the day of wrath, the day of vengeance, uh, what is called in the Bible the day of the Lord, that is mentioned several times in the Old Testament. So uh, the second coming now refers to our Lord returning at the end of the tribulation period. That's when he comes back in all of his glory with his angels. He comes back with his saints. In the rapture, he comes back for his saints, and he takes his saints to be with him. In the revelation, he comes back with his saints to earth, to do the final solution deal with human rebellion so he is coming back uh, uh, and uh, there's no question about that and for, um, there are so many things in the Bible that supports the fact that he is is, is, is going to come back um, let me just share some of the not we have enough time to, to deal with that but there are so many facts in the Bible that helps establish that he's coming back in the second coming for example our Lord uh, referred to His uh, return explicitly uh, in the, the in the scriptures. It referred a hundred and uh, one thousand eight hundred forty-five times. It's mentioned the one second
0: thousand.
1: coming. Yeah, it's mentioned one thousand five hundred twenty-seven times in the Old Testament. I'm talking about second coming. And it's mentioned 318 times in the New Testament. So collectively, when you take all the verses that deal with the second coming, you're dealing with 1,845 verses. Now that, how can anybody ever question the Lord's second coming with that body of, of information, that body of truth? That can only be a skeptic or agnostic or a person who's an atheist. But there's no Christian under heaven that have that kind of data could never doubt the fact that our Lord is going to return. The other thing, the second coming of Christ is second coming, is mentioned twenty-three times out of the twenty-seven books. So we've got twenty-seven books in the New Testament, and in twenty-three of those books there's reference to the second coming. The emphasis is that he is returning, he's returning.
0: We've in the last thirty seconds of the program tonight, Pastor, what words of encouragement would you give to the believer who is listening and is saying, I'm almost discouraged or uh, depressed by hearing about all that's going to happen in the future.
1: All I would say, people get ready, the train coming. Our Lord is going to return, and that's our hope, that's our joy. We don't look to politicians, we don't look to government, we look to Him. That's our hope as Christians.
0: To keep your focus on Jesus Christ, keep your radio dial tuned to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse We're broadcasting the truth from God's Word, the unchangeable source of truth. Keep your radio dial tuned to CRL and make sure that you tune in next week here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse as we continue to discuss practical topics and how they relate to you. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth.